Hello and welcome to Country Stride, the podcast dedicated to the landscapes, people and heritage of Cumbria and the Lake District. I'm here this morning in the National Trust car park just above the village of Buttermere and I'm joined by author, illustrator and our guide for today's walk, Mark Richards. Morning, Mark. Morning, David. Since the brilliant blue of last week's walk at Horswater, it's, it's become a little bit greyer, but it's all calmed down, hasn't it? There's no wind today. Uh, a little bit claggy on the tops, but that may change. Yeah, it, it looks benign to me. Uh, the forecast later is rain, but I think we'll, we'll beat the system. Uh, we won't bother with an umbrella today. It's half term, Mark. Loads more visitors around this week than there were last, and even at 10 o'clock this morning, the car park here is filling up quickly. Uh, lots of families around, good to see lots of kids about enjoying themselves. What is our walk for today, Mark? Well, we're very much guided by our specific guest, David Powell Thompson, who uh, knows these fells very well. He's got almost a lifelong fascination uh, and, and has been wandering over these hills for years and years and years. And we'll find out that during the course of the podcast. He's probably known to our audience more for uh, the background work he did with Eric Robson with his out-of-town programmes. And he did all the research for the Julia Bradbury's Wainwright Walk series. And more recently, he's been working with Terry Abraham on his Life of a Mountain series. David certainly knows his stuff and I know he's done more than one round of the Wainwright Fells. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that as well. What is our planned route? So the route today, we're leaving the village, crossing the valley over Scale Bridge and then crossing the footbridge under Sour Milk Gill and then going up Burtness Wood, up into Bleabury Coombe, where there's a tarn, and then steeply up onto Red Pike and then along the ridge, claiming the highest point in the range, High Style. If one is a Wainwright bagger, this is three in one. Yeah, this is a, a triumph of triads. A, a triumph group. of triads. <laughs> yes, like That's the collective triple noun. Tree. It's a, a triple treat. A triple treat is the collective noun for <laughs> doing three peaks in a go. So it's a proper mountain walk today, and we're racing to some extent against the incoming rain. Let's make tracks and meet David. I'm approaching the shores of Buttermere with a great mountain sweeping up to our right and the lake ahead of us and through the fringe of trees uh, you can see Fleetwith Pike and the very top of Warnscale and Haystacks. Quite a cold air breathing through and a grey sky. I'm in the company of David Powell Thompson. Great to see you David. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Hopefully it's going to be a better day than it looks now. You um, have been climbing hills for many a long year. Now, what drew you originally to the Lakeland Fells? My parents. Their spiritual home was Langdale. And we came every year for our annual holiday. One week. Yes. And uh, parents would actually hire something, caravan, cottage, and we'd come for a week. My father used to take our sensible shoes and put tricorn nails in them. 
So you made a sound when oh, you got Oh, yeah, that, I think that was one of the incentives, so you can go <laughs> clumping down um, Hawk's Head High Street, you know, showing everybody just how tough a walking family we were. <laughs> you ultimately moved to Cumbria. Uh, I was born in Southport. Right, uh, yeah. And my parents had the good sense to move from Southport when I was six months old. They came to, uh, to the shores of Windermere. Whoa. My... Uh, my first post office book has got bonus on Windermere oh. as the issuing office. How lovely. <laughs> Parents uh, were itinerant in the first few years of my life. I think we moved four times before my father settled uh, just outside Lancaster. Right. And so education was in and around Lancaster. Right. Yeah. Right, right through to, uh, you know, degree level. Right. So. so you moved on. And what sort of job did you start doing? I came home from school one day when I was 16, because I left school at 16, didn't quite manage to get to A-levels. Uh, and my mother actually said, you start work on Monday, you're, you're an electrician. <laughs> you're an electrician. No and bank of mum and dad, straight no, into work. And uh, it, it was, um, you'll be an electrician until you're qualified and then you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, I was an electrician for six years, did a five-year apprenticeship, proper, uh, and did a, another further year. Uh, then I got, uh, I got fed up with it. I was fed up with it right from the start. Um, <laughs> so I got a job in the nuclear physics department of Lancaster University as a, as a technician. Work in the labs, attend lectures and do a degree. And I thought, my mates go climbing on a Wednesday afternoon because they're at university. If they think I can do a degree, I'm doing it full time. <laughs> Good man. And, and so I jacked my job in. Uh, much to the professor's absolute horror, and uh, went to your college. Fabulous. There you are. You've got the momentum then, you've got the background, and that drew you ever more towards Cumbria, did it? Yeah, well, I was climbing. Uh, my father had had a stroke and wasn't walking, oh, and, yes. um, and so I was rock climbing. So mm. I would go North Wales or the Lake District every weekend. I was climbing quite well, actually, at that time, so mm -hmm. I was really interested in climbing. I got a job as a teacher and uh, started a climbing club in the school, the first school I actually was in. Um, but then other things cropped up. Yeah. Wives and children <laughs> came along yes. and, and that rather put everything on hold. Uh, oh. I was working in, I worked in Northern Ireland, I worked in South Wales, right. but I kept coming back to Cumbria. I retired from teaching early. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the hills and the fells have been uh, Your home. my life ever since. Uh, and my bread and butter. Yes, and we are delighted to have you today to share this environment with us because this is a special place loved by so many. We've got um, sour milk gill ahead of us, tumbling well, you can, through. You can hear it now. You, you can hear it now. So yeah. we'll, we'll move that way and have another chat then. Okay. A, a sense of it being in a, a very used bridge in the past. Uh, horses and uh, sheep came over here. Anyway, we were standing on top of Scale Bridge. We had planned to go t'other way towards the outflow of the lake, uh, but uh, the bridge is missing there, washed away in the floods. And we're sitting, standing on top of Scale Bridge with a view behind us to the north towards uh, Whiteless Pike and uh, Knot Rig and uh, High Snog Rig and the village of 
but Buttermere just across the meadow from us. And David, this is a fabulous spot. Now you're guiding us today from here. Where are we heading? Um, Red Pike. Good hill. Red Pike Buttermere as opposed to Red Pike Wasdale, of course. Very difficult to confuse them. <laughs> yeah. Almost impossible. Almost yeah. impossible. So, so Red Pike, um, uh, High Style and High Crag, and then back down to Scarth Gap and... and the, the so back here. Yes. You instinctively are a Wasdale man. Uh, you have one fell over that way that you yeah. have a particular <clears throat> affinity. Well, look out of our kitchen window and I see uh, Great Gable, mm -hmm. you know, the iconic shape of the National Park emblem. So that's what we see every day. And um, Lucky man, I'm sure many people wish they'd got that view. Yes, but uh, Great Gable's not my favourite. Eubarrow is, because it's, it's a small amount, it's lower in height, but it's got a great heart. And, it, and when, once you're on the top, you're in the heart of, of the valley. You look round, you've got all, every mountain to, to look at and enjoy. And it's fabulous. It, it really is. is. And, and there's some tough ways up, some tough ways down. Exactly. It keeps the riffraff out because it's, um, it's, it's a scramble at both ends. And unless you know the Bob Graham path, uh, you can't... Yes, the you... direct ascent from the pub... That is a serious way up, isn't it? Well, if you go up door head, yes, that's... Uh, there is a path to the, to the side of it now. It's impossible to run down the screen. I remember years ago, you know, you would get to the top of door head and then jump, <laughs> and, and you'd be in a pub in 10 minutes. It was... <laughs> or, but you can't do that or, now. Or, it's or, so <laughs> badly washed out. You can't blame fell runners or fell walkers or anybody else for it washing out. It's no, just the nature, nature. nature yeah. of it. This is not the second best where we're doing today. This is top-notch fell walking oh, country. Oh, it is. It is, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, well, if you come to Buttermere, it's the ridge to do. Yeah, it's smiling in the face. People know yeah. about haystacks or uh, the ridge behind us up to Grassmoor, but they're not in your face quite like these no, are. this one's brilliant. And, yeah. and uh, drawn there by Sam Gill, you know, you, you look across the valley, there's this streak of white water coming down the fell, you think, and then when you get to Bleaberry Tarn, that has to be one of Lakeland's jewels. Well, we like jewels. Let's see how far we get today. We're going to get to the top. That's where we're going. Oh, magic. Well, we made it to the footbridge at the bottom of Sour Milk Gill. And there's a throng of people coming through here. They go down through a hand gate just by Buttermere Dubs Bridge, which <laughs> isn't there, but there's a nice made path by the National Trust along the shores of Buttermere. But we're gonna go through the gate ahead of us across the footbridge and through the gate and into Burtness Wood. And uh, before we start climbing, the, the woodland's interesting, David. We've come from Scales, the Scales Bridge to here. These woodlands had a, a working life. Well, the oak woodlands did, yes, the hanging oak woodlands. Uh, they used to coppice them and turn the wood into charcoal. And so, the purpose of charcoal? Uh, well, it was used as a fuel because it was hot, uh, used in the smelting industry at one stage, but also used to make gunpowder. There were people who spent their lives actually as charcoal burners. Yeah, yeah. Swallows and Amazons, you know, uh, Arthur Ransom mentioned about the charcoal burners. Well, they weren't just in Coniston, they no. were all over. Anywhere there are these old, ancient, hanging oak woodlands, charcoal was involved. 
like the Derwent Valley and Derwent Water. That's all about oaks, isn't it, in Borrowdale? Yeah, and they're, they're fabulous because they've got colour at all times of the year. They're almost red at this time of the year, and yeah. then they get a flush of new green, and so they're constantly changing. Yeah, but talking of green, here we are, still the middle of February, and the hawthorn was coming into leaf. Yeah, and the blackthorn is in blossom. The robin was singing and the blackbird was singing. God was in his heaven. It's a lovely spot to turn around, uh, David. We've got a view over a larch tree. Just a solitary one in the heather. Look straight down onto the great Buttermere Lake, which looks pretty dark today because it's a steely sky. And complete uh, with pike looks very captivating and uh, above Gatescarth. There's a couple with a dog coming towards us. Every fell has its allure. Uh, people have, in the last 20 years, I would say, taken to claiming the summits in a pattern. What was the influence, David? Well, his parents started me, actually. So my first fell I can remember ever going up was Helvellyn. Oh, yeah. Father and I went up there and left uh, mother and sister behind. He bought all the Wainwright guides as they came out. Um, so I have five first editions. Now you've been round the fells, you're on the, what, the fourth round? Fourth circuit. Well, it, it took me almost 70 years to do them <laughs> the first time. And it was only because of a friend locally to where I live said, I'm fed up with doing the same fells over and over again. And I said, well, let's do them all. Let's yeah. finish it off. Make so I went to job. a list, made a list. These are the ones I haven't done. Right. So we went off and did them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's what we did. It was just before my 70th birthday when I got to finish them off and I said, promise myself that between being 70 and 71, I'd do them all again. I see. And so that's what I did. So, and I finished on U-Barrow. The first time I did them, I had to think really hard because you've got to have somewhere to finish. Great so, End is a popular one. Yes, it is. And uh, I'm, I'm walking with a, a friend at present who's going to, has chosen Great End as her finish mm -hmm. point. But what could I use after s nearly 70 years of fell walking? What would be the last one to do? Arneson Crag. The first fell in the first <laughs> book would be my last fell. And so I left Arneson Crag to the last one. And I finished on Arnest and Crank just before my birthday. Wow. So second time round, what do I do? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, U-Barrow, because yes. that's my favourite. So I would go up U-Barrow. So I went up U-Barrow and uh, an Australian friend who, uh, who couldn't come with us and dearly would love to, um, gave me an Australian flag. So we draped a flag, <laughs> Australian flag over the cairn <laughs> on the top. So he was there in spirit. The third time round, Bounding along like a kangaroo. Yeah, well, it took me 15 months to do it the third time. Whoa, uh, getting Because the weather was, it was a very poor winter, so you weren't getting out very often. So where would you go for the last one on your third round? Well, let's do the last fell that Wainwright ever researched, Lankrig. Where he left his wealth. Yes, and people still do. <laughs> Yes, you can find the odd coin still up there. <laughs> yeah. So Lankrig was the last one. Wow. So now, now I'm on my fourth, fourth round, and after today I will have done 77 since the 9th of November. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? God. Right. So we've decided we're going to do Ling Mel ah. because there is a cairn on the top of Ling Mel. It's a lovely solitary one there. Yes, that's down off down the edge. Down off the edge. Yeah, but there used to be, right on the summit, there used to be a splendid cairn on the yes. top. So we've decided 
we will go and rebuild the can. Good man. I'm trying to actually enlist um, some good wallers to go up there and help us to build a proper cairn on the top of Lingnow That's what you again. want, solid base, yeah. regular a good waller, A good waller. You can't beat a good waller. Now I'm looking down on the village of Buttermere and you can see St James's Church. Yes. And uh, I was very fortunate to be, attend the memorial service to Alfred and Betty Wainwright yeah. down there. Uh, Eric was there and Julia Bradbury and a, cluster of yep. close family friends so it's very poignant to me to be looking down on there and then looking up the lake here so this this whole area resonates with a, a love of the fells so what is the motivation <coughs> for going and doing them again and again it's because you get to know remote places that you've never been to before you know um Selside pike i've only mm. i've only been there three times yeah, Captain well, Welter's bog. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? I think it was a bit of a philistine in not bothering. I can't be bothered to do them. I can't be bothered to do them. Well, I, I can be bothered now. And and it's become, it's almost become addictive. All right, I, I sometimes can be a bit selfish in it. At, uh, let's go for a walk. I'll go for a walk as long as I can tick off another foul. <laughs> I'm not going. Yeah, all right, I've... <clears throat> I've been up um, middle fell three times on this particular round, but then it's so local and... Uh, it doesn't and count as an extra fell, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, every fell's special. Anyway, yeah. we've got to get and see the tarn. Let's see if we can yeah, get a glimpse not, of it ahead of Sour Mill. Not very far away. We're coming, David, up uh, to look over Bleabury Tarn. Bleabury Tarn, oh, yeah, it's an absolute jewel, isn't it? Now, there's not a, an abundance of cairns here, but just chatting off the mic about cairns. Uh, uh, there's famous connections people tend to have with cairns, or they put very personal connections. Well, some people like to knock them down, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I, it. I, don't, uh, I don't subscribe to that at all. No. Most cans have a purpose. They, 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 were, they were put there for some reason. Pretty, pretty ones that are sort of landmark cans in a yeah. place. Now, you mentioned about Broomfell. Broomfell, yes. There were, there were two chaps who decided they were going to do all the 214, yep. all the Wainwrights. Uh, and they would do it in a particular order. They would start with the lowest, Castle Crag, and, and do them consecutively until they had got to the highest, Scorfell Pike. Mm -hmm. And on their way round, they decided uh, they should mark this event with something. And they thought, a can. We'll find a fell where it needs a can. <laughs> and uh, the fell they found was Broomfell. On the top of Broomfell, there is a, a really well-constructed shelter. A windbreak shelter. A windbreak shelter, yes, but there's no can. Right. So when they'd finished, they went back and they marked out a circle and, and they constructed a really fine can. Not much stone handy, though, is there? there? There's a wall. There's oh. a derelict wall. It runs right up uh, out of the valley floor onto the summit. Uh, so they took stone from there. They, they didn't take any stone out of the shelter. They left that intact mm -hmm. uh, and, and respected that. They intended to go back and build it a little higher, but uh, one of the party, one of the two, uh, became ill and wasn't able to go fell walking anymore. And uh, his friend still survives, uh, and he treats that cairn now as a memorial to his fell walking friend. And it's, it's a lovely story. He never told anybody, or they never told anybody, what they'd done. No, right. uh, and I was up there curious about everything. Uh, and this cairn's it's not shown in the guidebook. 
must uh, must obviously post-date that. So mm -hmm. uh, I'll see what I can do to find out who built it. Eventually, I did find it. Found these two chaps, and he wrote me a very poignant uh, oh. email. Passed that on to uh, Clive Hutchby, who's revising the guides again, and hopefully oh, yeah. that story will be included. Now, caring for cairns is a thing. I, I remember when Piker Blisco had the most amazing Oh, it cairn. did. It did, yeah. Um, great rig. Great rig, yes. Great rig had its man. Yeah, it was known as Great Rig Man. Yeah. And, and there's it, no man. It isn't. It's gone. It's manless. Gone, gone. Fallen down. I'm not, you know, frost gets into them and breaks them. and Clearly. And, uh, and Joss is a great waller, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, he built a cairn on the back of Buckbarrow. He built it where he always thought there had been a cairn because there was plenty of stone lying about. Mm -hmm. And so he he didn't build it so much as reconstruct it. Yeah. It's to mark the Queen Mother's 100th birthday. Uh, I'm not sure I should say this, but he actually carried up a bucket of dry sand and cement and, <laughs> and he topped it out so it would have a bit of a chance of staying. <laughs> Joss, if you're listening, he didn't really admit that. <laughs> but a good waller would always look up, make sure it stays. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what he did. There's two little blocks of wall. Oh, yes. What are those about? Those are seats. Uh, so Joss said, you know, when he gets into his dotage, I mean, he's only 83. No age. So he'll be able to get up the fell and then sit, and that will be able, he'll be able to look wow. over Wasdale. Yeah. But he built perch. a cairn behind that, but that's, that's, that's tumbled. Oh, all right. Well, everybody deserves a good perch. Anyway. We we must get onto the high ground now. Yes, yes, it's getting windy, so. Lovely to look back just as we come up the zigzagging, well made, comparatively new path, still some heather here, and uh, I'm coming up just above a little saddle of Dodd, a little cairn on the top. And there's a, a path like you see on a suburban park, just dipping through it up to the summit. If you ever, ever want to know what Dodd means, this is a classic one, a little rounded bump. And it's backed by the magic of the fells of Wandup, uh, Eel Crags. The mist is on Grassmoor. And over to the right, Robinson. And through the gap over Newlands Halls, you can just see a bit of Derntwater and Blencathra. Beyond Dale Head, you can just see... Dollywag and Pike and so on. The mist is playing with us at the moment. The ground is solid under our feet now, but we're going to come up to a bit of unstable ground shortly. Well, we've made it to the summit station, David. Yeah. Summit wind break. <laughs> it's not breaking much wind, is it? No, it's, um, it's not the pleasantest of days right now, is it? Yeah. You, know, you can't see very much and, uh, and you being blown over. Yeah, I love some, it's all the same. The last pull up there was pretty horrible, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it, it, it's, uh, it's pretty washed out, yeah. I was hoping to see Pillar and Ennerdale. Well, so was I. I, I have actually seen Ennerdale. You can see uh, Boness knocked down there, but uh, it comes and goes, oh, it's gone again. Right, <laughs> we're heading that way. That way, which is sort of southeast. Yeah, take it, you know where you're going. Stick to the firm ground. <laughs> Hi style, here we come. Yeah. It's, it's quite a broad ridge after a fashion. There's some rocks here, but there's a metal fence here. Is that part of the ring fence that goes all the way around Ennerdale? Yeah, it's part of the Ennerdale fence, yes. And who put that up originally? Uh, the state boundary? Earl of Egremont, wasn't it? Earl of I Egremont. I think it was, or Lord Egremont. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's where you get the names like Sergeant Man and Sergeant Crag. Yeah. They had a surveyor who marked everything out. He was known as the Land Sergeant. 
but it's a fairly narrow ridge because you can see just a glimpse there of Ennerdale down there, down there in Buttermere, so we, we stick to the ridge for a start. Once we get beyond high style, it becomes broader and yep. route finding becomes slightly more difficult. There's still the Ennerdale fence. That's a great gift for yeah. us. Anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll stick with it. Yeah. Well, we've come up to the summit of high style. There appears to be two summits in a sense, one over to our right to the east, but the most impressive one, which I think really actually should be deemed the summit, sets on a rock on a plinth above Chapel Crags, the elevated steep place, the most elevated steep place. That's what high style means. And you certainly feel elevated, although the view has denied us because of the wind and the cloud. But David, you don't, you're not easy put off climbing hills, are you? Spend a lot of time stumbling about in the cloud. <laughs> but you have to, you just can't just say, I'm not going. I only go when it's blue sky. Yeah, the other day we were on Coniston Old Man. Yeah. Uh, so parked up, walk out along the South Ridge, absolutely fabulous route that, probably the best way up uh, Coniston Old Man. So we walk into cloud and then we keep going and we walked out of cloud and we were on the top of Cottage Snowman, blue sky above us, cloud below us. And then the sun uh, burnt all the lower cloud off and perfect day. I've looked at clouds from both sides now. Is that a song? It's a song. It's a song. Yeah. And listeners... Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell, there we are. Well, if you go fell walking, you look at clouds from both sides very regularly. Yes. But this ridge walk now, we're heading on in shortly towards High Crag. Yeah. And I think for the moment, we'll just be dancing between cloud and semi-cloud. Yeah. And but we still have this fence line to follow. That's the gift. Well done, the Earl of Egremont. If that's who it was. Probably a bit later, but certainly he will have marked it out, his, his land sergeant. Well, come down the slope from High Style. We're coming above a gully uh, beside with, with Eagle Crag. And I was listening to the news this morning and they were announcing that they were planning to reintroduce the Golden Eagle into the land of the eagle, the home of the eagle, which is Snowdonia, the wild parts of Wales. In this instance here, the use of the word eagle, that this was one of those fam famous haunts. Now, David, you've, I believe, climbed here before. Yeah, yeah I've climbed on here it's, it's, it's two or three times, actually. Yeah. Uh, ever been on Chapel Crags? Or is there no, not, not that not one. Not that one looks really shattered, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But this is yeah. very impressive. Pillar, have you been on Pillar? Yes. And you've been onto the true summit, uh, as it were. Onto Piscar. Yeah, Piscar. Yes. I was told by uh, Ronald Turnbull that I hadn't climbed all the fells. I said, I had. I've even been on the top of uh, Helm Crag proper, I said. Yeah. He said, but you haven't been on the top of Pillar, have you? Yeah. I said, well, no. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a story about Pillar. We were climbing on Pillar one day. Mm -hmm. In those days, there was a little box on the top. Inside it was a, a rubber stamp and an ink pad, red ink pad. And so I opened my guidebook and I stamped it. So my rock climbing guide. And this chap came up onto the top and we got talking to it. It was Harry Griffin. What he'd done, he'd set off from Buttermere, come over Scarth Gap. Yes. And, uh, and then climbed up onto Pillar yes. and then climbed up onto Piscar. And uh, he was sat on the top and we were in the chat. And I never got his autograph. He could have signed me guidebook. I've got the stamp, 
but I didn't get his, his oh, autograph. Magic. And I, he was tell, he was talking about Coniston Tigers and all that sort of oh, stuff. He oh, he yeah. was a magic man. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 once described Wainwright as a bit rather distinguished looking. And Wainwright said, I never forgive him for that. <laughs> but he climbed up Bell Rib on the Bureau, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So he was a great adventurer. Oh, he was. He, in his day, he was a good rock climber, actually. He, he was he was a member of the Coniston Tigers. Oh, he may not be, you know, the the hardest of the hard men, but he was certainly up there. He was in his day. He and he had a, a lovely turn of phrase. He could write well. Yes. Uh, people like me who write a few words uh, are a long way back from people like that. You, you, you know a good writer and you, and, and you revere them. That's one of the reasons why I don't write. Yeah. I recognise good writing. Yes. And I can't emulate it. No. You, you make up for, for being very good at talking. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but your jokes are worse than mine, you know. They're nowhere near as bad. <laughs> Good gracious me. Talk about the cringe factor. Well, we're coming down off the top of High Crank, beginnings of the Gamlin End descent, and through the cloud, which keeps furtively coming and going, I can just see the upper part of Ennerdale and the Black Sail Youth Hostel. That you've Used Black Sail much, David? Uh, just once. I stayed there. It's about 24 years ago with a, with my son when he was about eight years old. We walked over from Wasdale Head. Oh yes. Over Black, Black Sail. Sail, down. The youth hostel was shut because oh. we got there early. So, what to do? <clears throat> so we came up Scarth Gap, went over Haystacks, walked along the ridge towards Brandreth, mm -hmm. then dropped down the end and came back round. And by that time, the youth hostel was open. Right. And we stayed overnight. And then the following morning, it was up straight up to Windy Gap, onto Gable. Gable. We were early onto the top, top of Gable. Then Kirk fell and dropped down in, back into Wasdale and went home. What a thorough day. It just goes to show, with a name like Windy Gap, and there's another one over there called Wind Gap. It is. Just occasionally it gets windy here, doesn't it? One minute it's clouds here, next minute it's gone, and it, it's so ethereal, isn't it? Because okay. the, the clouds going across the haystacks there. Perfect. It, it is. We've got a bit of a descent now. Yeah. This will be interesting. Well, it's a smart idea of yours, David, to sneak down here. We avoided going over seat and coming down by a broken wall, which um, gives us a, a superb view of uh, Fleetwith Pike, Warn Scale, and the very striking dark outline of haystacks, which a certain person had their ashes sprinkled there. Now, you're a man who has been hugely influenced like many of us, by Wainwright. I grew up with him. The first volume of the first book was on our kitchen table. You know, so he's always been there. When I was a child and looking at these books, I used to think the personal notes were written specially for me. And I used to think, read them, get hold of the book and read the notes. What's he do up to next? What's he going to do? What's yeah. he going to say? And I used to think those personal notes were Fabulous. absolutely brilliant. They've always been there. And if I was going out, there would always be a copy of Wainwright in my rucksack, yeah. as there is now. I think 
A Wainwright guide is a treasured possession to mm. whoever owns it, you know, and there are millions, aren't there? Yes. You know, there was he, the millionth edition that <laughs> he actually wrote and said, I'll, you know, I'll have dinner with the person who gets this book. Then he went and bought it himself to make sure he didn't, <laughs> he have, didn't to. have to do it. But they are treasured possessions. A ne near neighbour of ours uh, died recently and uh, it, his house was being cleared and there was his set of Wainwright guys and yeah, I said, what's going to happen to them? Oh, they'll go somewhere. I said, I'll have them if you don't yeah. mind. So I've, so I've got them. I'm looking after. In fact, it's his guidebook that I brought today. Lovely. Just so I thought I'd give him a walk out. I, I wouldn't be without them. They got to a point after his death where... Uh, there were moves afoot to do all sorts of things to acknowledge his life and work. Influence. Yeah, rename mountains, rename <laughs> towns, put statues up and all sorts of things. <laughs> and Betty Wainwright uh, had a word with Eric and said, you know, we need to keep a control on this. And so... Like that wind then. <laughs> and so they, uh, so they got together. They had an inaugural meeting at Waterhead and uh -huh. lots of people who, you know liked Wainwright and wanted to do something about it, all got together and Eric chaired the meeting and uh, a small committee was formed and the Wainwright Society was formed and, and membership was uh, accepted. I didn't join. I've never felt happy or comfortable <laughs> in groups like that. No, Wainwright was not a, a clubbable person no. himself. <laughs> And blow me down after I'd done all this work with Julia Bradbury, they made me an honorary member. Now, you gave the most recent Wainwright Memorial Lecture. I did. I it did. was well attended. I, I quite enjoyed it, actually, yeah. once I got started. Yeah, it's momentum, isn't it? My, my opening line was, well, I can't see anybody with two heads, so I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's two heads coming up to his <laughs> yeah, meters not, now. On, not on the same body, though. <laughs> no, no, no a, couple of, a couple of coming up this steep way up. Well, Hi. well done you. Are you enjoying it? What's your plan? Get to the top and get back for a cup of tea. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not very good. <laughs> we haven't actually stopped today, have we? No, we've not been yet. up uh, Red Pike over High Style, High Crag, and here we are sneaking down. Oh, We're heading to the Fish Inn in uh, Buttermere. Where are you going to have your cup of tea? Honester, oh. I think. The closest one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going the wrong way. It's that way. <laughs> it's that yeah. way. No, well, you can't not climb it when it's here. Then, oh, can no. you? Go, keep going. Well, it's lovely to see you. Oh, you you too. I'm I'm intrigued, David. By uh, you create journeys when you're across the fells. You don't follow everybody's, and you like creating your own. Horseshoes as well. Uh, I, I'm always looking for new horseshoes. You mentioned about Place Fell. How would you orchestrate a circular that included Place Fell? Park below that little church. Oh, St Martin's in the Valley. Bob. Yes. Place Fell. Yep. Round the Hawes at the end. Yep. Onto uh, Beda Fell. Beda. Uh, before you, you drop off the side of Beda Fell, across the valley bottom. Yep. And steel knots, pike wasser, mm -hmm. and then across the road, Halling Fell, and back down again. That makes a neat little uh, gathering of little hillocks. Yeah. But Place Fell is an absolute peach of a hill. It is. Yeah. And it's also nicer to do it that way around because I hate that flog up the other side of Place Fell, that zigzag stony oh, path. It's right. horrible. Yeah, and uh, Widdishins, anti clockwise. Yeah. And, and the other. And from Grasmere mm -hmm. up to East El Tarn. Right. Cafe's, yeah. cafe's not open anymore. No, they closed uh, it for some reason. Yeah, well, it was open when I was there with my parents years ago. 
uh, up onto Tarn Crag. Yeah. Across the top of the fell, there is no path, but you can actually work your way through the crags. Yep. Calf Crag, Gibson Knot, Helm Crag, back down into uh, Grasmere. I, I actually saw them uh, surface Red Bank for the first time using a steamroller. This was in the early 50s and uh, we were on Red Bank, fascinated by this steamroller. Oh, That's the old way from Grasmere over to Langdale. Yeah. And you remember them surfacing, surfacing that for the very first okay. time. What? You make me feel so young. Yeah. You make me feel so young. Gingerly coming down the steps, the last step by that wall. Steady, steady with the ginger. Steady, yeah, we're going steady. We're just meeting up with the Scarth Gap Pass, regular way to haystacks and so forth on the over to Blacksail Hostel. We're just making it now, having made that shortcut. It's a great little route, and please, you took us this way. And it's the first time I've done it, so it's quite good to do something new. Absolutely new. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that you are still very motivated to keep walking. You celebrate your birthdays. I do. I always have a, some sort of event. We tried to celebrate the solstices and the equinox, but that, that got too much. So, yeah, something nice. Good long day out. Yeah. And by long, what sort of distance are we talking? Oh, anything up to 48 miles. On, on my 60th birthday, I did the Joss Naylor Lakeland Challenge, which is from Pooley Bridge to Greendale Bridge, 30 summits, about 17,000 feet of ascent and 48 miles. Listen to that, 17,000 feet? And it uh, took me 15 hours and 54 minutes. Wow. And how many seconds? But the recent one was um, the Moot Hall to the Maypole, the Moot Hall in Keswick to the Maypole at Nether Wasdale. So help. that one was um, Keswick, Cat Bells, High Spy, uh, Dalehead, down to Honister, uh, Grey Knots, Brandreth, Green Gable, Great Gable, Kirkfell, Pillar, Scote, Steeple, because you have to go to Steeple, because if you're there, you have to go. Yeah. So Steeple, um, Haycock, Seat Allen, Buckbarrow, and just across the fields. There you are. And there you are in Nether Wasdale. That is a substantial outing. Well, you, you deserve to celebrate every now and then. Yeah. You never weaken. Uh, it's, yes, you slow down. Yeah, I don't run as much as I used to. I walk uphill and I run as many of the flats and as much of the downhill as I can. I can hear the barking down at Gatesgarth Farm there. We're coming down here, we've got a lovely view at the head of the lake with uh, the back of Robinson. You can actually see Hindscarth as well now. Just oh. see Hindscarth pulling above the cloud and yeah. um, towards Eel Crag and so on in that way. Anyway, David developed a little habit on Country Stride. We like to give our guests the opportunity to respond to one or two quickfire, immediate reactive questions. So, things like, where's your favourite pub? Uh, ooh, I've got a number of favourite pubs, but um, probably the Strands never was now. That's a fair bet. So, uh, the, uh, the the bridge at uh, Sandton Bridge, well... Yes, that could be equally. Um, the Lutwidge Arms uh, is a, a good one. They all sell good beer, which is quite hoppy and not too strong. Which is the best view in the Lake District? Oh, the one off Green Gable. Ah. It looks down uh, Buttermere and it looks down Ennerdale together. 
actually if you're a little bit towards not right on the summit of yeah. Green Gable if you're a little bit towards Brandreth it just opens it up a little bit more if you had a dinner party which Cumbrian would you like to be your guest oh Melvin Bragg I'd like to quiz him about uh, the fishing in Buttermere and Crummock Water because he says there used to be an Arctic char industry based on crummock water, and I'd like to quiz him about that. What he knows about that. Yeah. Uh, earliest lakes memory? That would be as a, a young child, mm. yeah. One of the abiding memories is the Browns bus from Ambleside to Hawk's Head. It had a big fin on the back of it. Oh, yeah. and. Uh, and it used to have its own atmosphere inside it because all the walkers will be wet through and, you know, inappropriate clothing. Well, it was all Packamax and Rainmates in those days. Cloudy and steamy. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember things like that. Just it's lovely. Yeah. Things like that linger with you all your life. Yeah. OK, tent or B&B? If I'm by myself, I'm quite happy in the tent. Even at the age I am, I'm still quite happy on the God, ground. Yes. Yeah. I have a hot water bottle these days. Ah. What I do is I take one of those aluminium uh, water carrying bottles with a screw top. Yes. And yes. Um, just before bed, boil some water, screw the top on, throw it in the bottom of the sleeping bag, toasty. And then you see, you don't have to sleep in all your clothes. You can take most of them off. Yep. And then when you get up in the morning, you stay warm because you put clothes on and get out. A lot yeah. of people wrongly sleep in their clothes, get up in the morning and then spend the first hour shivering. Yeah. Because they're so cold. Quite, quite, quite. Herdwick or Red Squirrel? Oh, now that's a real toughie, that is. I think because the Red Squirrel is uh, in, in decline, I'd have to go for a Red Squirrel. But I, here. I do like, uh, I do like Herdwick's there. Uh, have you got one day that you can remember that you say, that was extra special? It probably goes back to the time my father took me up Helvellyn and we got to the top, um, 3,118 feet, and my father picked me up and he plonked me on top of the trig point. I was 3,121 feet above sea level. I must have been seven or eight at the time, and that is an abiding memory, being stood on the top of that. Well, that's a remarkable memory. I, I love it to bits. We'll stop there before the rain comes at that. Yeah, you've given us some lovely evocative memories. It's not far off, actually. I can feel it in my bones. Well, you've been a champion companion. I've really enjoyed it yeah, today. Well, it's been a good we won't bit. say a few more words yet, but just in case the rain comes, we'll have a sort of intermediary stop there. But Well, that's another three done, 77. Yes, yeah, we're at <laughs> 77 now. Sunset Strip. It's interesting, at Gatescarth, they've got the trail hounds probably having a practice run. But here we are late afternoon on a, what is it, the 19th of February. They're warming up for the season. Uh, that's Mark Richardson. And the hound trails, uh, they set out a course uh, and it's a race. Uh, which dog wins the race? Simple as that, over a rough fell route. I think they go along with an aniseed bag and set a trail and they go over an irregular course across the rough fells. 
So it's like fell running for humans, but for hounds. And we're now coming on the made path on the south side of Buttermere Lake itself, a very scenic route. And we're just coming up to um, there's some belted galloways and highland cattle just on the lake shore. There's a breeze running across the lake, ruffling the surface of the lake. It may not be glorious sunlight and it might not be covered in green, but it's a wonderful place to be. And I just, just looking at the, at the wind, just brushing across the surface of the lake, it's so calming. Journeys end in the Bridge Hotel, Buttermere Village. We survived the onslaught of the gales up there on the ridge, Mark. <laughs> we did indeed. We did. We had charming company from David throughout. And actually, just after we did our last little section uh, with David, the little Q&A, it did start raining, didn't it? It so drizzled. We, we, it, it started drizzling, so we yes. packed away the mic. There's nothing at all to dislike about that walk. It's one of the classics, isn't oh, it? Lakeland classics. It's a joy. David, he walks extraordinary distances, doesn't oh, he? Oh, remarkable man. I love his birthday treats to himself. <laughs> These extraordinary walking adventures that, that end up back at Netherwasdale, uh, near where he lives. Some of these are kind of 40 plus miles. Walks at 20 year old people by Bolcat. Uh, well, I, I mean, I bulk. I, <laughs> I'm not 20, I should say. Yeah, you're 25. Uh, 25, yeah. yeah. And clearly loves Wainwright and the legacy there. Seven, on the fourth round, he's on, on his 77th. Nice to have that reminder that even on your fourth round, there's still new routes, mm. new paths to discover on the map. And he still has that passion for doing it. I loved his turn of phrase. He said, um, reading the pictorial guides, it was as if Wainwright was talking just to him. I thought that was lovely. And I like the way David was saying his dad collected all the Wainwrights as they came out new, first editions. Not many people can say that. No, I love that little story about, I asked him what was his earliest memory, Mm. and that was when his dad took him to the summit of Helvellyn and plonked him on the Ordnance Survey column. And added three feet to the mountain. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, lovely, absolutely lovely. Oh, yeah. Some housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at... At Countrystride1. At Countrystride1. Please do contact us either via social media or you can email us via the website, which is www.countrystride.co.uk. You can find all of our episodes, 10 previous episodes now. Number 11, this is amazing. This is 11, yeah. Uh, So you can download any of them. What's next, Mark? Having been to the heights today, we're going to the lows. We're going to the Solway coast, onto the shores of the Irish Sea. Anne Lingard is going to introduce us to the shoreline life uh, and the mosses. Uh, and the birds as well. It's, Fundamentally, it's, it's, it's the bird life. And it's all part of the Solway area of outstanding natural beauty. So that's our next uh, country stride. It'll be in two or three weeks' time. For now, thank you very much for listening and sharing our, our walk. And we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>